What it do, DMV, episode 10 of Chirpin' DMV, play Gloria, Q Country Roads, let the rat dance because the Blues are your 2019 Stanley Cup champions. But before we get into all that, let's first say hello to the fellas. Kyle, what's up? What's up, boys? What's happening in AB? What's going on there, guy? Nothing much, man. This weekend had a, uh, had a golf tournament. Played five rounds this weekend. Yeah, got a little wasted all weekend with the did, boys. Did you win uh, some money? Uh, we won a we won some money off uh, the scramble the first day. We came in third place. Won some money that night or that day. Um, and then the first eighteen were all tournament rounds. And then uh, the second eighteen on Thursday. Uh, we're just like kind of fuck around rounds. We just went out there. We had like eight of us on a hole, and we would just you know just be fucking around playing against the dads and stuff like that. Uh, just got to give a quick shout out to the Larry Robinson Senior Tournament. Uh, Larry Robinson, he kind of ran it in his family, Lee, and all of them. Uh, so yeah, shout out to them. It was a good time, and uh, good to be back though. There it is. So we got a jam-packed episode for you guys. We're gonna be talking the Stanley Cup. The Caps have been in some action. We got Dan Silver coming on later, who's a writer for Phileas Flyer and the host of Getting Bullied. He's going to come on and kind of give us a little analysis of Radko Gudas. And then also we have our main interview with Coach Flip Collins from Bishop O'Connell. So, as we previously mentioned, the St. Louis Blues have won their first Stanley Cup in franchise history after defeating the Boston Bruins 4-1 in Game 7 again on the road. Ryan O'Reilly with the Conn Smythe after scoring four consecutive games in the final. Bennington stood tall. All series, making some incredible saves, especially in Game 7, turning away 32 of 33. So, A.B., thoughts on the Blues, thoughts on Game 7, and thoughts on the final as a whole? Well, uh, once I thought Bennington was the best player on the, uh, on the ice the entire game. Um, and once the, once the Bruins, they just couldn't find uh, any opportunities, honestly. I mean, well, they had some opportunities in the first period, but Bennington kind of shut the door on them. And then, you know, Ryan O'Reilly gets that first tip, gets him up one nothing. You got to be a little scared if you're, if you're a Bruins fan because you're like, oh, shit, Bennington's on his game right now. And then um, you're thinking going down one nothing, going into the second, not that bad. But then Marshawn just makes a terrible play by uh, making that late change. Let's Petrangelo right down the middle, makes it 2 nothing with like 10 seconds left in the first. And after that, it's like that's that's game changer right there. I mean, any goal within the uh, the last minute of a period is just killer. Yeah, the two biggest moments I thought, in my opinion, I tweeted out that one. The last minute goals are even at the. With that being said, start of the period goals are such killers. And then it was third period, two nothing Blues with about 11 minutes left, and that's when um, Bennington made that sprawling kickout save. And as soon as yep. he did that, I thought. That was game. So, Kyle, biggest moments of that game, what led the Blues to victory? I mean, you just said it. It was Bennington. I mean, that guy showed up. If you go back and listen to the last uh, Chirpin DMV episode, I kind of ragged him a little bit, said I don't know how he's going to come out and play. He showed me up. He played awesome, and uh, I think he's what ha- what carried that Blues momentum in the first period, shutting down the Bruins. And they got a couple goals and just rolled. Yeah, Boston came out and dominated that first period, A.B. Do you think they kept that same intensity throughout the game, or do you think they kind of you know, flattened off after, like you mentioned, that, Brad, that bad Brad Marchand play there at the end, and then just knowing the Blues were up 2-0 on only four or five shots on goal going into intermission? I think what happened with the, uh, the Bruins is the same thing that the Blues have been doing to like every team in this playoffs. I mean, they 
the teams start off hot, but the Blues, they, they just kind of wear you down. They're such a big team. They're just going to beat you up a little bit, and they, they wore them down a little bit, I think. I mean, I think the Bruins, you can't, you can't ever say the effort wasn't there. So, I mean, I, I hate hearing, like, they just wanted it more. I mean, I mean, it could be that a little bit, I guess. I don't I, – but I, I wouldn't say they wanted it more or anything like that. I just think the, the big, heavy game of the Blues – Came, it became a huge factor there at the end. Um, the Bruins got a, a little bit gassed because of of the uh, pressure and uh, from the Blues. Yeah, and we tweeted out that poll, too, after the first intermission with that two-goal lead in Game 7. Do the Blues sit on it and park the bus a little bit, kind of take that lead and roll with it, or do they keep pushing, stay on their game? And 100% yeah. of our people voted that keep pushing, and then as we saw at the beginning of that second period, that was probably the best the Blues had played all game. They were having some shifts. They were down there uh, getting some offensive zone time and chewed about 10 minutes of that clock up and then kept rolling. Yeah, it, was, it, was, um, it reminded me of the Caps a lot last year. I mean, the Caps would get a, you know, they'd get a lead and then they'd kind of get in that 1-1-3 form, or 1-3-1 formation or whatever it was. I think it was 1-1-3. Just clog that middle. Yeah, they clogged up the middle, made it impossible to get in deep with uh, possession, and uh, the Blues kind of did the same thing. And then they were just kind of capitalized on turnovers, and then they started getting some pressure. And yeah, they just they basically just all they did was, as soon as they got the lead, just chip the puck out whenever you mm-hmm. can and go pressure. That's all they did. And then, like you mentioned, how they clogged that middle, you make the Bruins then try to chip the puck over your head and try to win a 50-50 battle and I'll take a 50-50 battle over letting in a clean offensive zone entry uh, anytime so Kyle like we said Ryan O'Reilly Con Smythe uh was he your pick or would you maybe go with Bennington or elsewhere no for sure Ryan O'Reilly I mean Con Smythe he he performed throughout the whole playoffs I think and definitely in the Stanley Cup final with the most most pressure on him he he showed up and even in this final game, I mean, he came out and got the boys rolling with a nice drive hard to the net and tipped it in. There it is. So that's it. Stanley Cup final is done. <laughs> St. Louis Blues. Yeah, St. Louis Blues first time in history. AB, what's up? Uh, I actually thought that Alex Petrangelo could have easily won the Conspeth as well. Uh, as a defenseman, that guy came to play. I think he, had, oh, he yeah. scored a goal in this game, too. He scored that second goal. And... I'm looking up his stats right now. He had uh, been close to 20 points. Uh, yeah, he had 19 points as a defenseman in the playoffs. I mean, that's that's a great. I mean, obviously that's Ryan O'Reilly deserved it as well. Yeah. Ryan O'Reilly was a stud, but I thought Petrangelo played no, yeah, I mean, just as good. Actually, I I haven't really heard anybody say that or any talk about him or argue that. So I mean, that is a good point. He did play solid that whole playoffs well, for them. Well, again, and even as a leader role. Speaking of Ryan O'Reilly and the stars showing out for the Blues, we still didn't see much out of that top line uh, for Boston. I mean, granted, there's come out and there's been a couple injuries, but we even said it after the last episode that, hey, you got a game left, and let's see if these st- these top these top three guys contribute. And for the most part, they didn't. Like A.B. said, that bad. Yeah, they just ran into a hot goalie that last game. Yeah. Though, man. That's, that's frustrating when you got a goalie like that. Bennington, psychopath. If you watch him in videos, he's, this guy's crazy, and he played lights out crazy. And that's well, kind of frustrating. I was... frustrated the Bruins. I think the other thing was, uh, I mean, Marshawn makes a bad change. Um, I mean, every, everyone makes mistakes. I mean, he makes a bad change there. And then I think it was in the first period where they might, I don't know if they're on the power play or not, but the puck gets to Marshawn again, high slot. He's a wide open net, and he just shoots it right into Bennington. I mean, Bennington makes a great Yeah, play. I, I think, think well, Bennington got that push off late. I think Marshawn is expecting him to play that 
you know, correctly and get over a lot quicker than he did and shoot it back into where he was coming from and try to either get that seven hole down there or get it going opposite direction. But, I mean, he had that entire right side of the net open because it looked like Bennington slipped a little bit. And, yeah, his, I mean, he, like I said, his thought process maybe go opposite way, try to get him going um, left to right. But, you know, Bennington, Bennington got the bad push and it ended up, you know, saving a goal, I think. Yeah, it just puts it right into his chest. Yeah, and then he fumbles it a little bit. <clears throat> but I mean, yeah, that's just I mean, that's what's going to happen. A, a good goalie is going to win you a cup. I mean, it's tough to say that because Tuukka Rask played out of his mind that entire playoffs. Uh, you can't put too much on him. Our guy Marcus Johansson again was playing lights out. I thought in Game Seven had a couple good scoring chances. But with that being said, that now means the Capitals are no longer defending Stanley Cup champions. So what do we do to get back there? A little bit of news. It was a rather busy weekend for the home team on Friday. The Capitals announced that they had traded defenseman Nat Niskanen to Philadelphia for defenseman Radko Gudas, who comes in at a $3.35 million cap hit. But the Flyers are retaining about 30% of that salary, so the Caps are only paying him about 2.3. Niskanen, as we know, was at a $5.75 million hit. So obviously a cap clearing move to sign some other assets. Kyle, initial thoughts on the deal? Uh, it kind of stung a little bit. I like Niski. I think he was a good locker room guy. Really helped that out. But sooner or later, we were going to part ways with him. He's going downhill. He's declining. Uh, maybe a one or two solid years left. So it's a good move with the cap hit. I don't like Gudis. I, I hate him. Maybe because he was a flyer. I hope he'll come in and give us some physical game. But with the whole trade going on, I think it's kind of even, and it opened up a lot of cap room for us to sign a. Signed something. Yeah, I mean, wasn't his best season? I mean, AB, you, I mean, you obviously clearly retained how his season was. I mean, what were your thoughts on this past year with Niskanen after that Stanley I mean, Cup run? It obviously, it obviously wasn't his, his greatest season, um, but I still was a big Niskanen fan. I mean, we won a cup with him, and he was a big part of that Cup run. Obviously, um, always took the blame too. To go. Huh? Always took the blame too. If you remember that Pittsburgh series when he said, "Yeah, that was me three straight shifts in a row when the Pens scored those three His goals." Team guys, team guy, yeah. great, great in the locker room. But yeah, he he takes a lot of responsibility on himself, and uh, he's he's hard on, on himself. So I think I think he knows he didn't have the greatest season. But I mean, it's sad to see him go. It's sad to see anyone go that's been with the Caps for this long. Yeah, I definitely remember back in. Shoot, 2014, I believe, when they announced we got a new GM and the Niskanen and Brooks Orberg coming over and, like, how excited we were about that. So, Gudis, on the other hand, um, like Kyle said, a lot of the Caps fans hate him. Um, but actually, in those advanced statistical categories with the Corsi and all that, that we won't get heavy into because we don't give a damn. Uh, Gudis, while he doesn't have a very deep game, he does bring a reliable one. And the charts do show that he limits opponents from high danger areas, uh, provides stability on that third pair, and a big bodied stay at home defenseman in which will replace the probable loss AB of Brooks Orpik. So, thoughts on the Caps defensive lineup now, assuming that. Gudis is probably in that third role with either Siegenthaler or Juice. I mean, it, it, he'll definitely clog up the middle, just like we were talking about all playoffs long with these uh, Blues defenders. Uh, they uh, they clogged up the middle. It's hard to get to the uh, center of the net or front of the net. So he's he's going to be good in the in those areas, which is good for us. Uh, we definitely need a little bit of help there. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny to see GM uh, GM BM. He just, uh, he, I guess he likes to have a big physical team, and uh, obviously it's been the recipe for uh, for victory so far. Because uh, the past two seasons, I mean, last year we were, I mean, we had the spell power, but we were also, I think, considered one of the heaviest teams in the NHL. The Blues oh, yeah. probably the same way this year. So yeah, he's going after the big physical game, and uh, we're not really used to that as Cavs fans. I think 
you know, first like five years of this era, first five to seven years of this era, we were just superstars with a lot of speed, and now we're we're changing up the game. Yeah, and Gouda's even maybe somebody that can kind of take that pressure off of Tom Wilson to be the the only fighter, be the the main tough guy. So, Kyle, our defensive lineup is probably looking like uh, Kemper Carlson, uh, Jensen Orlov, and then Gudas with either Siegenthaler or Christian Juice. Um, thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I think upgrade from last we season. Were, we were texting kind when of the, the same. trade went down, and I kind of kind of forgot about Jensen. I mean, and having Kempney. So, with having those two guys and. I, th- I think we're still solid. I think Gudis kind of rounds out our core group with that little physicality. We'll see, I mean, how much he does play if he gets scratched. Hopefully he kind of improves his game and gets in the lineup a lot. He played pr- really well at the IHF uh, tournament this past year. I got to watch him like one or two times. but He's Czech, right? We'll so add more Czech guys yeah. to the lineup? Yeah, so we'll see. I, th- I think we all know why this trade went down. Yeah, so obviously clearing up some cap space, but real quick. All right, so to give you listeners more of an in-depth look on the new Washington Capitol, Radko Gudas, we're pleased to welcome on Dan Silver, writer for Phileas Flyer and host of the Getting Bullied podcast. Dan, what's up, man? Thanks for hopping on. Oh, my pleasure. It was uh, an honor to be on with you guys. How's everything going? All good, all good. And after DMing you a bit, we find out you do live in D.C., so a Philly guy in D.C., we love it. I do, yeah. I was born and raised, uh, but I live down in D.C. now, actually, uh, just down the block from National Stadium. Perfect. Sounds awesome. So we'll get right into it. Niskanen for Gudas. Uh, Philly, you guys retaining about 30% of that salary. Uh, we've seen online fans on both sides both hate and love the deal. So first, as a Philly fan, let's hear your initial thoughts on the trade and the details of it. I think this is a great trade for both teams. And I think that the Flyers are actually taking on more of the risk. So one of the things about Radko Gudis is that he's one of the most underrated defensemen in the NHL. He's gotten a bad reputation just because of all of the suspendable plays that people have probably seen, right? So folks don't see the Flyers play that often. You're just seeing dumb plays that Gudis has made that have led to suspensions. But outside of those plays, he's actually not a very dirty player. If you look at his his penalty minute totals, he's a very good defensive defenseman. And kind of in a day and age where... Uh, most of the guys who were advanced stat and Corsi darlings are the guys who move the puck quickly out of the zone and uh, can skate the puck up the ice. Gudis has managed to have pretty damn good um, possession stats and shot differential stats, even though he plays more of a defensive style. He's a he's very he's really not going to hurt you when the puck is in your own zone. He's, he's uh, you know he's his his uh, player coverage is really good. And he is the kind of guy who can dish out a hip check or a big check that's going to change the complexion of a game. So he's a he's a very underrated defenseman. And I think that Capitals fans are going to enjoy having him on their team. Now, he's not really the kind of guy who I think you want playing against the other team's top pair. But you've got John Carlson and Dmitry Orlov right. uh, to, to do that for you guys. So I, I think that the, the, the Capitals actually, you know, you needed to clear up some room. Um, you know, presumably so you could sign guys like like Verona um, and maybe next year, Nicholas Backstrom. And so getting the Flyers to retain a million dollars off of Gudis' salary was, us, was, yeah. it was also was really was incredible. I was a little bit surprised that we did that. So from your guys perspective, I do really like the trade. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, you're basically uh, your ba- or your basic Twitter people that are kind of clueless. But to build on a couple things you mentioned, that yeah, you're not going to see highlights of a third pair defenseman unless you know he does take a stupid penalty or does something uh, suspension worthy. Um, and then on top of that, looking at the advanced uh, statistics and the course and all that, he's also a guy that limits you know the high danger scoring uh, chances, um, keeps that puck to the outside in the defensive zone and everything like that. I mean, I I'm personally looking forward to it. I think, like you said. Both are good. Um, and one thing, too, that a lot of Capitals fans I don't think are seeing is that, I mean, he's a fighter. I mean, I would imagine he, I don't, like you said, I don't watch him much, even though I'm a Caps fan and we're in the region and I'm not watching too many Flyers games unless we're playing them. But he's a guy that can fight and kind of take that load off of Tom Wilson, who is a top line winger for us, who it's like, all right, somebody's got to answer the bell. Well, we got to send Tom. So there goes a top winger. So, like we mentioned, Caps fans kind of, think he's quote-unquote a bum and you just kind of gave your analysis on why he's not so what are you guys thinking in terms of Niskanen what are you expecting out of him um how do you see him fitting into that defensive lineup and kind of a role player what do you see him doing you know one of the things that the Flyers really needed to add this offseason was a a top four defenseman and preferably one who's got playoff experience and can kind of like be a good presence for Ivan Provorov and Travis Sanheim and Phil Myers, kind of like our three really good young defensemen under the age of 22. And I think that, you know, a guy like Eric Carlson, look, he re-signed with San Jose today. Jared Spurgeon is someone who Flyers fans have been talking about for a while, but it looks like he might re-sign in Minnesota. And Jacob Truba is kind of like the other guy that everyone's looking at, but who knows if he wants to sign one year and then become an unrestricted free agent. So when you look at it, there aren't a lot of guys who fit the, the mold of a top four defenseman veteran playoff experience who can also um, reveal. And so I think that Niskanen brings that playoff experience, but he's played top two, even strength minutes for you guys for the last four or five years. Uh, when you made your cup run, I think he was first or second on your team and even strength ice time during the playoffs. So I understand that his, his play kind of dipped a little bit last year. I think some of it maybe, and you guys would know about this more than me, but I feel like maybe the first half of the season, he was hampered by injuries a little bit and maybe his, uh, maybe the cup hangover. But the second half of the season, it seemed like he, maybe his play improved a little bit. And so the Flyers just need him to come in and play 20 to 22 minutes a night with either Ivan Provorov or, or, or Travis Sanheim or Shane Gostisbehere and kind of be a steadying influence back on the blue line. And I don't think there were a lot of guys out there like Niskanen that were available. Yeah, definitely a um, veteran leader. I think he might be your only defenseman over 25, 26 or something like that. But yeah, definitely ailing a bit at the ton of the season, t- beginning of the season, cleaned it up a bit as we went on. Wasn't his greatest uh, season in terms of his tenure here since uh, for- 2014. But I mean, like you mentioned, he's a guy that gets a lot of even strength ice time, was playing um, in a top role with Dmitry Orlov, uh, second line penalty kill guy, um, second line power play guy. Uh, you name it, he can do it all. But, yeah, like you said, great um, switch for both. I mean, Niskanen, too, is a guy that will take a lot of responsibility. I remember during that cup run when we played Pittsburgh, I believe it was game three when Pittsburgh – or game two at home when Pittsburgh scored three goals in about three and a half minutes on us. And he said, yo, I was out there three shifts in a row. All three goals are probably mine to blame, and we'll get up and move on. So I think that, like you said, is a good veteran leadership Definitely move for you guys. a good locker room guy. Yeah, so I <laughs> – the way I kind of see it, well, I'm not the Philly GM, but I feel like, well, he's played with Orlov for a majority of his career here in um, Washington, and I feel like Orlov and Provorov are exact clones of each other, being left-handed Russian, puck-moving defenseman, 
defenseman, offensive-minded. Um, do you guys kind of have an idea or, or thought of where he might be playing and who he might be playing with? You know, that's a really interesting point. I'm going to mention that to, uh, to my Flyer Twitter following about that with Orlov being a you know, left-handed Russian defenseman. I mean, I think a lot of Flyers fans are still kind of have their sights set on getting like a Jacob Truba who could be, you know, you have no doubt that Jacob Truba could play 25 minutes a night and be that defense partner for Ivan Provorov. I just don't know if, if that kind of player is going to be available. So Niskanen may need to be the guy who's playing top pair minutes with Ivan Provorov, and then you've got Shane Gossespierre, who's going to be on the top pairing uh, for the power play, and so you wouldn't necessarily have to worry about that. But I think one of the keys for this trade for the Flyers is that Elaine Vigneault coming in, first-year head coach for the Flyers, the way that he likes his defensemen to play, at least in Vancouver, the way that he had them playing, was he likes defensemen who can make quick outlet passes and who can skate the puck up the ice if necessary. Radko Gudis doesn't really excel at either of those things. So when you look at wanting to try and get a guy who can make sense for Vino's system, I think that Matt Niskanen makes a lot more sense than Vino's system than a Radko Gudis. And so I think that was a contributing factor. You know, I think if the offseason ended right now, I would probably have Niskanen on that top pairing with Ivan Provorov. A lot of Flyers fans are kind of hesitant about that, and they maybe want him on the second pair with like Travis Sanheim. But, um, you know, it might not be a perfect fit, but if he's, you know, if he's not getting the big power play minutes and, the, and uh, maybe is, is only on the second PK unit, maybe he can play top pair minutes with Provorov. What is what, what is your guys take on that? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, like I previously mentioned, if you go and watch a highlight, a two minute highlight of Provorov and then two minute highlight of Orlov, you won't know who's who. Uh, to be honest, I feel like, I mean, they're both the exact same skill set. I believe Niskanen could be a top um, two guy for you guys, maybe even top four if you put him down on that second pairing with Provorov and Niskanen, and then it maybe put Ghost um, up on that first line with uh, whoever his partner would be. And actually, real quick, Jacob Trubo just got traded to the New York Rangers. So Get out of here. Yeah, for um, oh, Neil, yeah, Neil Pianuk and a first-round selection from Winnipeg. So there it is. He's now a Ranger. But um, yeah, but also with looking at Radko Gudis too. Oh my God! Wow. Yeah, so uh, looking at Radko Gudis too, I think. Well, the biggest thing here in Washington is we got to know that Brooks Orpik is likely not coming back, so he kind of fills in that role, uh, a little more expensive than Orpik, but a solid replacement in uh, uh, my assessment there. You there? You there? You hear us? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. but no, no, I thought I, I, I thought just, we cut I off for a second. I was just trying to. Uh... Right, just this Truba trade's right. crazy, huh? Right, we'll just cut it back. Now I've got all the Flyers fans on Twitter being like, why couldn't have we have given a better offer? My quick take on this is that I don't think Truba's going to sign like a long-term deal. It, the fact that he was only traded for the 20th pick in the draft makes me think that right. uh, he may, you know, maybe a one-year deal that the Rangers are going to have to sign him to and then try and sign him again next year. Gotcha. So last thing we'll uh, have you leave us with, speaking of long-term deals, uh, what do you guys think about Kevin Hayes? You guys think you're going to be able to sign him up? And if you do, it's I would imagine it would be a long-term type thing. But I think the Flyers will end up signing Kevin Hayes. I think that when you look at when a team trades for a guy's rights, which it seems very rare these days, you get the head start on negotiating. And there's been a lot of negotiating tactics. I think his agent has been planting stories with the press that the Flyers aren't his first choice. But today, Frank Saravalli put a tweet out that 
they might be getting close to a deal. So I, I think that the Flyers are going to get it done with Kevin Hayes. And I think they, they kind of need to, and everything else will fall into place. They really need a second line setter. Hayes is only 27, good all around player. So I'm guessing something around six years for six and a half million. It's what I would guess for Kevin Hayes. Yeah, you guys get that done. I think you're going to be a uh, pretty big threat there in the division for the years to come. Um, you guys are going to have a pretty solid squad get together. But, Dan, like we said, we appreciate it, man. Thank you for coming on. I guess tell the people where they can follow you. I know uh, most of these guys are Caps fans listening on here, but shout it out anyway. And then throughout the season, we'll you know do this thing a couple times, have you on before Caps Flyers games and you know do that whole dance. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you guys asking me on. It's uh, it's a pleasure. I hope this trade works out for both of yeah, us. Yeah, for so, sure. Um, so you, so uh, the fans can find me on Twitter at dsilver88. Uh, we've got a Flyers podcast that I'm on. Uh, it's the uh, Getting Bullied podcast, at Getting Bullied. And then you can find some of my articles uh, focusing on Flyers prospects over at phillyisflyer.com. Perfect. So, again, Dan, we thank you, and we will be sure to reconvene and see how these trades are working out as the season goes on. So we'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys. All right, man. Have a good one. You too. All right. Thanks again to Dan from Getting Bullied and Philly is Flyer for hopping on and giving us some insight on Goodis. And I think this is a perfect segue into some Unleashed of Fury. What do you boys think? Yeah, man. All right, guys, this week's Unleashed to Fury comes courtesy of the Niskanen trade. So let's get right into it. First reply here we have is, all caps, what the hell, Niskanen was way better. He scores way more than that pylon. <laughs> I like that trip. Yeah, I don't really think, <laughs> knowing that we're not looking for a goal scorer, but yeah, we'll take it. Uh, next one is, now I guess Wilson can go back to being a hockey player because we just picked up some trash. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, God. Man, these are harsh right now. Yeah, A.B., you'll appreciate this one. Gudas looks like a third cool game, brother. Sir Rodko. <laughs> Sir Rodko. Sir yeah, Rodko like Clegane. Um, next one here. Wait, they are taking Niski's salary and paying 30% of Gudas? Way to fleece the Flyers, baby. <laughs> fleece that organization, that in-division rival. Um, next one is, I would have sent Orlov instead in a heartbeat. And I actually saw a lot of these. What are your thoughts on that? I'm I'm an Orlov fan. I know Orlov. Yeah, no, definitely not. I think Orlov has plenty of years ahead of him, and he's going to keep getting better and better. I mean, each year as he's gone on, I think he's gotten a little bit better every year. So I think it's going to keep going. Yeah, he's he's younger and uh, he's he's faster. He's got a good shot. I mean, he he can move the puck well. I like Orlov a lot. Um, you think Ovi would let that happen? No, that's his boy. I mean, we can't let too many Russians leave the team. So last two, probably the best two. I'm pretty. I think I'm pretty good at reading sarcasm. And the problem is with this one, reading this and reading the other guy, this guy's other replies is I don't think he was being sarcastic. He goes, "Stupid ass move move by Reardon. Can we trade him to clear up some cap space now?" <laughs> I don't know, man. He never knows with uh, these morons out here sometimes. Uh, yeah. So the last one here is great. No cup for another 10 years. Such a bullshit move. So Niskin is gone. We are now cursed. <laughs> one more thing Ten I want to add about this Niskin trade. Kind of sucks for that guy. He hasn't really gone anywhere to play. He's played in Pennsylvania and well, D.C. now. He's gone Pittsburgh Penguins, the Washington Capitals, and the Philadelphia Flyers. So, fuck, you're staying in the, the same. The three teams that all hate each other. Yeah. Yeah, that does Kind of crazy. You don't see that too often. Rivalry. 
No. So there you have it. And we haven't really touched on it much yet, but a main reason for this trade was to clear up some cap space, and which the Caps did on Sunday, signing our first asset of the offseason. Kyle, this is your guy, baby. The Capitals announced that they have re-signed forward Carl Hagelin. Four years, 2.75 per. Way less, uh, I think, than was expected. We would have had to pay him. Uh, nonetheless, he's back. I personally think he's an incredible move. Or this is an incredible move by GMBM. Great third-line guy. Can play up and down the lineup for that matter. Obviously, will be a top penalty killer. Kyle, I think you can finally buy that jersey if you want to. What are your thoughts on your boy coming back? Yeah, I think it's awesome. Uh, I really loved him last postseason. I loved getting him. Worried a little bit about his health. I mean, I will say that. But if he stays healthy, I think he'll be solid in this lineup, and it'll be fun to see him get a full training camp and full season with the Caps and see if they can make the playoffs next year. Uh, one little tweet I did see out there that the trade and everything was pretty much Gudis and Nishiganen swap and then the extra money we get haggling. So it's kind of like that trade all kind of tied in with this, uh, which is cool. Yeah, so I know, A.B., you like to keep an eye on the money side of things. So obviously, I, th- I believe we added that fourth year to make that uh, average per year lower. Because if you sign that three years, we're probably looking at a 3.2 uh, annual salary. But four years, 2.75, and maybe, you know, when we get to that fourth year, we could he could be a buyout option, he could be a trade option. Who knows where the hell we'll be as a team, where he'll be as a personal player. But, I mean, it's not a backbreaker. What are your thoughts? I, I kind of – I like the trade – or, yeah, signing a lot. I mean, you can argue – last year I was like, eh, I was not about it at first. But he came in, he played well. And you could – like – like Kyle said, he plays up and down the lineup. He's he's one of the most like rare players to be able to do that, where he can play on the third or fourth line. And if someone's hurt up there, he can play on that top line and be just as effective. And he he's just a great player to have when other players get injured. You know what I'm saying? Swiss like, Army knife, man. Yeah, you can put yeah. him anywhere. Veteran leader, Stanley Cup champion. And like Kyle said, he had that half season with us and that one playoff round, but now he gets the entire offseason to prepare and settle in with the Caps. Uh, I do believe he'll have a hell of a year. So that leaves us with still a good bit of money. Well, that also kind of ruins our segment of going through that Caps free agency bracket because <laughs> yeah. they just did everything in two days. <laughs> and yeah, and we, we can also say bye to Kano, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, you got to go. Well, next is probably a Vrana Bridge deal, so three or four million. And then Kano's probably getting what? What do you think? Four million from a team? Yeah, I would say so. Maybe even a little more. You could probably get might four million. Um, we also might be saying bye to, well, I don't know, Burakovsky. We'll see how that pans out. Yeah. It's it's a long off season. We'll see what but happens. We're, we're we're starting to piece it together um, a lot earlier than I thought we would in the off season, uh, knowing that we haven't hit that July first um, deadline yet. Where you can start talking to unrestricted free agents or restricted free agents, do all that. But that will wrap up all of our caps talk for the week. Next, we'll be bringing on Bishop O'Connell, head coach Flip Collins. But before that, guys, this interview is brought to you by. Healing hydration. We've talked about it before, and guys, this stuff works like magic. I know some of you like to go out and get ripped up on the weekends and need that hangover gone quicker than the guy or girl you may have woken up next to. Others may be hitting the off-season workouts hard already and need those nutrients back in their body for full recovery. Healing hydration is opening in Annapolis on July 1st, and they specialize in IV hydrations that allow for 100% absorption of fluids. Like we mentioned, pre- or post-workouts to hangovers, even for travel. Healing hydration IV gives you vitamins, nutrients to replenish your body and leave you with healthy glowing skin they're starting to book appointments now so reach on out use code chirpin again that's code chirpin for 10 percent off your first appointment and now coach collins 
All right, we now welcome on a good friend of mine. He is the director of hockey and head coach of the Bishop O'Connell Knights, competing in the Mid-Atlantic Prep Hockey League in WCAC, fresh off of a tournament championship this past weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Flip Collins. Flip, what's going on? Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. All good. Anytime. So first, let's get right into this past weekend, like we mentioned. So you guys competed in that um, Ion International Training Center Grand Opening High School Tournament, won the whole thing. Uh, I guess first take us through the weekend and how did it feel to get back on the bench with your squad and get some competitive games in? Yeah, actually, it was a great opportunity. We uh, we put two teams in. I had a white team and a blue team. Uh, my white team was basically uh, all returning players, and uh, my blue team was um, – filled with basically eighth graders who are going to be uh, our incoming freshman class for, for next year. So I was able to coach uh, two teams at the same time. Um, it was a free tournament open to all teams. Uh, they ended up with eight teams. A um, couple teams backed out at the last minute, but um, yeah, it was, it was quick. It was like two 10 minute periods. Right. And then once you got through the round Robin, you went into uh, uh, semifinals and finals of, uh, three 10 minute periods uh but for it's free you know so you can't complain yeah, it was it's, great it's free ice free tournament yep great opportunity for me to get uh the the, the boys back together for one last uh one last skate before uh, summer break yeah can't complain about that so the facility there the pitchers look pretty incredible um but i'm sure they don't do it justice looks like full arena seating so kind of tell us about yeah. the facility there and yeah the possible they're... future venue for the maphl championship <laughs> yeah i'd love that for it to happen um yeah, they they got uh, one one uh, one rink has 3,500 seats, and the other rink is uh, kind of a practice rink. So the 3,500 uh, seat arena is going to have all kinds of events, uh, graduations, uh, you know, wrestling, monster trucks, you, you know, concerts, you name it. Um, and the uh, seating is great. The sight lines are awesome. It's it's really like straight up. Um, and the lighting uh, as a coach and a player is like NHL quality. Oh, wow. It was, br- it, it was, it was bright. Uh, it was really bright in there. Um, the kids all loved uh, the opportunity to play there, um, you know, all day yesterday. Yeah, like I said, looking at those pitchers looks pretty nuts and could be a solid uh, championship arena. So on topic of the MAPHL, let's get to your squad. Um, as we mentioned, Bishop O'Connell. So coming off a 6-3-1 season, Great start, I believe. Started five and one, then came back from Christmas break. Kind of a tough, tough stretch. Stretch, I should say. Um, kind of take us through that season. I mean, personally, I thought you guys were one of those teams to beat. Um, we're going to make a good push this year. The season started off great, but I mean, work. What worked so well at the beginning, and then kind of what happened there at the end? Yeah, you know, it's um, you know, on paper, I think a lot of teams had us as one of the, one of the top teams in the area, and uh, and I would agree with them. Uh, we had seven seniors, um, but we we lacked that maturity. Um, that you need through a, through a grind of a full season and uh, taking uh, costly penalties and big, big games really cost us. Um, you know, we, we hit the ice, uh, um, you know, per the Maple rules, league rules, uh, October 15th starts tryout. So we do five skates before um, all my players basically play travel hockey. So when we're coming into the season, my kids are ready to, to play you know, in October, November one was when we scheduled our first game. So we usually jump on teams early in the season. And then as teams uh, gather momentum and play more, um, we've struggled in recent years as after Christmas break. Um, and I don't know if it's too many games my kids play or, or, or what it is, or the other teams get 
get better, but definitely uh, the maturity level for our for our boys was lacking last year, and some of that I'll, I'll take credit for. I'll I'll, I'll take the uh, blame for that. Um, needing to get on these kids a little more and hold them accountable. Um, just taking taking too many penalties in games. You know, we're we're averaging seven eight penalties in a game, and you just can't do that in this league. Right. Um, and, and and expect to win games. Too many teams that can uh, can come back and hurt you. So you did. Salvage it a little bit, get into the playoffs as the four seed. You get a tough draw with Gonzaga in the first round, who you seemingly get stuck up against every single year, it feels like, in playoff season, especially in the WCAC playoffs. But the reason I bring this up is because I believe you've been a big advocate on the whole not reseeding in the playoff bracket after every round, correct? Yeah, I I, I just like to know who, you know, you map, you map out right. your road. Like, okay, we win this game, you know, I'm the eighth seed, and I think, I think the, you know, the, the the four seed can beat the one seed so you know i i got a chance right so and and i get the other side of the i get the other side of the coin you know the other side of the fence or the the, the you know what they're what they're thinking but i like to i like to know my my path and who i'm potentially going to play because then you can prepare for that you know some teams are preparing you know as as because i might only have one practice leading up to those right. two games and I'm gonna I'm gonna implement a few things because I'm I'm like well if we're gonna we we draw this other team we're gonna use a diamond you know instead of a box and I need to prepare for that yeah because you're gonna plan your practice around you know best case scenario depending on how the games go you're not gonna practice assuming you're gonna lose the first game so you're gonna think okay if we're going to this rink first uh, we're gonna beat this team and then we're off to say this rink and we know exactly who we assume we're gonna play in this game so I mean I agree with you on that I don't think it should recede. For a lot of those reasons, but yeah, you bring up valid points on that. I mean, I do think the league is heading in the right direction. Obviously, with the creation of a legit WCAC conference like we got this year, um, obviously still some details that could be worked out league-wide. I think the biggest proponent, I think, in the making our league one of the best is obviously expansion, but also there in that, like you mentioned earlier, was playing a lot of hockey. So that brings up the question, again, too, of a split-season module. Uh, what are your, kind of your thoughts on that, the split-season development, whereas you would play travel for a month or two, stop, go through the high school season, then afterwards back to your travel obligations? Or do you think it's more beneficial for kids to, you know, play on both traveling and high school at the same time? Yeah, you know, I, that's why I built my program. Um, over here in Virginia, it was a little different than what you have for ice availability uh, in programs versus Maryland. And as I built the program, I want all my kids to play uh, travel hockey. So, you know, I've got Little Caps. I got Ashburn Extreme. I got Reston Raiders. I got Nova Ice Dogs. I got uh, Piedmont Predators. I got a kid playing for the Junior Flyers. I got a kid playing for the uh, New Jersey Colonials. Um, and then I explored the option of doing a split season team this year. But you know what? In Virginia, we're, we're, we're lacking um, the numbers to, to, to really do that. And I know a couple other programs have pulled it off in, um, in Maryland, but with the two new facilities being built in Virginia, I see that becoming an option. Um, maybe not right now, but in at least three to five years, I see, see that, you know, where kids are going to say, Hey, I'm just going to go play. I'm going to go to O'Connell. I'm going to play on a split season team and come November 1st, I just play high school hockey. Yeah, because a lot of these kids are thinking that, especially when you get to senior, junior year, that that's kind of the big uh, time that you really want to focus on that high school hockey. And, I mean, also, depending on who's looking and who's recruiting, a lot of the 
recruits and scouts are looking at high school leagues over um, travel leagues. So season ends, kind of want to talk about nationals a bit because I feel like it's not too often you hear much about local teams going out there and competing. But like I said, season ends, you take on the NVSHL state champs Langley, beat them, and then head out to Cleveland, uh, go 3-0 in pool play, I believe, then a tough loss in the quarterfinal. So kind of take us through that whole experience. Um, was that your first time taking a team out there, and what was that like for the kids? Yeah, so, you know, we won the Northern Virginia year before. Uh the MSHL beating um, Broad Run. Broad Run was a was a was a great team, and we were actually a year ahead of schedule of what I thought. I only had two seniors that year, um, and we won. And the and the Nationals were in um, Minnesota, and the um, commissioner of the league after we won, you're like, you, you want to go to Minnesota, and the tournament's in two weeks, and we're like, ah, we can't we can't mobilize that quickly and figure out you know how we're going to get there and buy airline tickets and who can go, who can't go. Um, so then we looked and we saw that it was going to be in Cleveland the following year. Um, so we reached out to Northern Virginia and Pivaha and um, to really to Pivaha because we're no longer in Northern Virginia and said that we want to um, we're, we want to go to the Nationals. Um, so we booked some ice and we waited to see who would win the Northern Virginia League. And uh, it was Langley. So we had a one game playoff for the, the winner for the right to go to the Nationals. So uh we won that game. It was over at St. James. It's another one of the other new rinks. Um, and we went out there, and it was an unbelievable experience. And a lot, I got, I've got kids from every program, and you know my Ashburn kids, they probably go to nationals every year. But I got a large contingent of kids from Reston that haven't been to the nationals. Mm-hmm. So get that feeling of playing against kids you've never seen before, and being treated like a, almost you know like a professional hockey player. You show up, and they've got you got badges and you can only get into restricted areas and they've got medical staff and they really treat you like Kings there. So, um, yeah, we won our first three games and then, um, we played, we played, um, uh, Santa Margarita who ended up was back to back national mm-hmm. champions. Yeah. Tough and, there um, in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. And we knew that coming in that there we were, we were crossing over with a real tough division. Um, you know, you know, I I was missing seven guys. I had my uh my little cap kids and some Ashburn kids couldn't couldn't make the commitment because they were going to the nationals the following week mm-hmm. with school. Um, but that's no excuse. We're just gonna play with who and we've always done that. Play with next man up, and um, because USA Hockey, you can roster up to thirty kids in right, high school. Right. So we rostered some V two kids and made sure they got playing time to be eligible. And we and we went with who we had, and um, you know, the net net out of it is two things. One. Uh, we're getting phone calls now to go play national tournaments. Um, San Ignatius out of Cleveland has invited us to a tournament. Um, they're one of the top high school programs in the country. Uh, and then two, we put a bid in. So this is kind of breaking news for you guys. There we go. Uh, we breaking put a, news. Yeah, we put a bid in to host a 2021 uh, USA Hockey Nationals. Oh wow! Uh, at um, Kettler. Here, well, at Kettler and 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 Ashburn. Oh, wow. That'd be big news. Awesome. And, uh, <laughs> That'd be insane. Yep. So we're, we don't know yet. Um, we've got the blessing of, uh, you know, Pivaha, right. uh, the, the Embus HL, and um, in the rinks that are involved. Um, we hope to hear um, sometime in July. And uh, if we're accepted, they'll, uh, they'll come out and review the facilities, which I have no problem. I have no doubt that they'll accept uh, – the facilities that we picked right because both are um, very good well-run yeah, facilities yep. 
Yeah. And that, that, that would be great for both Virginia and Maryland. You know, I, I think you'll see, uh, I think about four or five years, five years ago, it was hosted um, at Ashburn and Reston, mm-hmm. the high school nationals. And uh, you had Stonebridge was in it. Um, I think McLean was in it. You had um, uh, Churchill was in it. Someone else from Maryland. But usually the, the local states, you know, the states that are pretty close will get an extra, you know, a bid or opportunity because not every team can afford to you know maybe a team from utah can't afford to get to right dc um so it'd be an opportunity and it'd be something for other programs to shoot for but by us i might i do have to say this by us putting the bid in doesn't mean that o'connell gets an automatic yeah, bid. yeah we for would, sure it all depends we would on... we, we, we would still have to um to to uh to earn the right to go how things play out who wins but yeah i mean it's kind of a win-win, like you mentioned, when you go out there, because you obviously don't expect. Uh, we don't go in with too many expectations, knowing that you're playing teams from all across the country. I'm, I'm imagine you're not doing too much in terms of scouting the opponent or anything like that. It's going to go out there, see how we do against, you know, nationwide competition, and then you do pretty well and you get noticed and you get to um, do this type of stuff where you can ask for a bid and you get invited to tournaments. So, all goes well. But I mean, so like you mentioned, uh, off season now, uh, losing seven seniors. Um, how are things going in terms of training and recruitment? Um, kind of what can we expect out of your squad next year? Uh, <coughs> is there much coming back in terms of uh, some star players or anything? Or yeah, we've got we've got th- well, we've got thirteen coming back. Um, we've got I got a freshman class of seventeen coming in. Mm. Um, and then I've got f- I got three or four transfers that are coming. Um, and we're not, and I'm not done recruiting yet. So I'm always, uh, still being a, still being a rink wrap, but I'm going to have three teams next year. I'm going to have a, a varsity, a V2 and an all freshman team. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. With the 17 man freshman class, I guess you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Flip, that is something I wanted to ask you. I mean, you did mention you had that younger team. uh, You had the two teams this weekend, one of them being the younger team. I mean, what is your recruiting process? I mean, some things you do to reach out to younger guys, trying to bring them into the program. Uh, I mean, I don't want to give all my my tips (laughs) away, but, you know, I am in a little little of advantage here in Virginia. Um, A lot of the programs that we compete against are all Maryland-based. Um, yeah. you know, with the Potomac river, it's kind of tough for kids to, to go to those schools. It's, it's, you know, it's an hour and a half commute during traffic to go to school, but I'm a rink rat, you know, and I'm ever starting Labor Day weekend. I'm at, I'm at Ashburn. I'm at Reston. Um, I'm at the different rinks on Saturday mornings, watching kids play, um, or Kettler watching, uh, <clears throat> watching little cap kids play. Um, just getting it out, just getting what we do and what we offer out there. Um, we put a lot of time and energy into our attendance at games, you know, Friday nights at Kettler, what's now called MedStar. Uh, you know, we, we average 650 fans a game now. Wow. And, you know, that's for self-esteem for a kid who plays high, you know, oh, plays, yeah. plays bantam hockey in front of mom and dad and maybe grandma and you know, grandpa on a weekend. Um, now all of a sudden he gets to play in front of his his peers is huge. You go to school with you get that extra momentum. You feel like so oh, yeah, you're you know we we played we played York we played Yorktown last year in front of almost almost 850 fans mm-hmm. and that was kind of my recruiting night. So I had I had like 25 recruits at the game. Wow. Um, 
and they were all like, oh, we're coming. They see that atmosphere, and that's pretty much an eighth-grade kid's going to say yes um, every time. And then, obviously, the success over the past couple years speaks for itself. So, I mean, even on those recruiting visits, you can be like, look, this is what we've done in the past, and this is what we continue to plan on doing. So there's that. So last thing I kind of want to ask you, you are a uh, Trinity Pauline alum out of New York. I kind of want to see what are the differences between there and here in the DMV um, that you see as a coach, whether it be – Lack of ice rinks, tougher to get practices in. I mean, I know Kettler is slam-packed um, a lot throughout the season um, and trying to schedule ice and whatnot. So are there major differences or maybe some disadvantages we're at here in our region? Yeah, I mean, in on the Virginia side, it, it's been the lack of ice. Um, but now with two new facilities opening um, with four sheets, it's going to take five to seven years to see difference in, in the kids and the quality of kids that are coming up. Um, the kids are still going to leave this area um, to seek, you know, the better competition. Um, but when you go to a prep school, you're seeing the best of the best. So when you're in the wor- workout room, you're all you're all going for the same goal. Like you're all trying to go play college. You're all you're all going to go, you know, try to play junior hockey. Where here, you know, we got kids all different levels that are that are trying to go somewhere, and the top kids are going to leave. Um, I don't think kids need to leave prior to you to U sixteen. Well, were you were a victim of that. Am I correct with uh, Victor Masoki? He went up to I think what was it Vermont Academy? Yep. Yeah, he went up to Vermont. He's actually coming back, but oh, he's not he? coming to o- he's not coming back to O'Connell. Oh, where's he going? <clears throat> Playing for he's, uh, he's no, no, he's not <laughs> going to St. Riken. Um, <laughs> Come on now, <laughs> it's not that much he, of a drive. <laughs> he's just going to play little caps. Gotcha, um, gotcha. You know, he just got in a bad situation up there and it, it's not for everybody. His, I don't want to go on all the details for him, but you know, people make decisions for, for different reasons. You know, I, I, th- I think a hockey is being an elevator, right. And we mm-hmm. all get off at different levels. Like I'm, a, I got off, I got off the elevator. I don't, I right. don't play men's league anymore. Some of you guys on the show still play men's league. So you're still on the elevator. <laughs> um, some of my other kids, you know, one of my top players this year decided Hey, you know, coach, I don't want to play junior hockey. I just want to go to college. I'm going to go to Virginia Tech and play hockey there and and be a student. And I get it. Yeah. I agree with them. I'm like, that's awesome, man. Go go do that. Um, but the, the biggest difference is this is is just the quality of players and, and the seriousness and, and the goals that they have up there. And and that's something that I'm trying to do at O'Connell is like, hey, I don't care what your goal is, but we're going to get a goal. Mm-hmm. And your goal your goal might be go play. Go, go play at uh, George Mason, you know, or another kids is I'm going to go play junior hockey somewhere and, or I want to go play NCAA hockey. And I, I, I go through the kids goals every year and adjust them because I want them to be attainable. Right. You know, freshman, freshman eighth graders come in, they want to play for the Washington Capitals. <laughs> That's not a goal. <laughs> yeah. Just because you're at the practice rink doesn't mean you're practicing for the team. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, you instill that type of thing in one program and then you see that program start to grow and it'll spread throughout the league. And then next thing you know, our league has expanded from 11 teams to 20 teams or something like that. We're building conferences we're building divisions and it's just all growing from there. But Flip, we won't keep any longer. We appreciate it. Uh, like we said, once again, we'll get you on um, before the season starts because we've got some cool um, preseason episodes planned. So, Guys, follow Bishop O'Connell Hockey. Follow Coach Flip. Where can they? Where can they do all that at? At uh, at, uh, at O'Connell Hockey on on Twitter. At O'Connell Hockey on Instagram. Um, and our our new saying this year is, uh, you know, hashtag new new DJO Dennis J O'Connell. Awesome, that's perfect. Flip, thanks again, and uh, enjoy 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 your summer break. 
You got it, guys. Thanks for having right. me. Anytime. All right. Have a All good right, one. buddy. Bye. All right. Thanks again to Coach Flip for jumping on. Awesome to talk to, as always. And you can expect him back as we get closer to the start of the high school season to join us. Uh, we're planning to do some awesome preseason episodes for you guys covering all the high school leagues and college in the area. So get ready for that. So now, last thing before we get out of here, boys, the NHL awards are tomorrow night. So we want to make a little picks on who we think is going to win what. I'm in. I'm in. This is going to be fun. Yep. All right. Let's so do this. First up, we have the Selkie Trophy for Best Defensive Forward. The finalists are Patrice Bergeron, Ryan O'Reilly, and Mark Stones. AB, we'll start with you. Um, my pick here is, I mean, Patrice Bergeron gets it every other year. I think I saw earlier that he get, he's gotten this award every other year since 2012. Yeah, I think his last one was, yeah, 2016-17. And uh, Andre Kopitar, I think, won it last year. Mm-hmm. Um. We got Ryan O'Reilly, Patrice Bergeron, and Mark Stone, three studs. But I think I'm going to go with my boy Ryan O'Reilly. I think he's going to pick up some awards this year, especially after his playoff run. I know they say that the playoff runs don't really don't have any don't factor into the voting, yeah. Votes, but you know, I, I don't know. He had a great season all year long. Uh, he obviously showed that he led his he led his team to the uh, Stanley Cup, and I, yeah, I think he's going to get the Selkie. Maybe I'm going to ride that O'Reilly train with you. First in the league in faceoff wins, fourth in shorthanded faceoff wins, fourth in takeaways, and a plus 22 rating um, as an individual player. Kyle? I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I liked Mark Stone this year. I thought it was big going from a Senators organization that is a dumpster fire. Going over to Vegas, and he led the NHL in takeaways with 122. He had a career high with 71 block shots. I just think he really showed up for Vegas at the end of the season, and he had a good year all around. So sorry, Patrice, you are getting fleeced. Next up, the Lady Bing for most gentlemanly player, Alexandra Barkov, Sean Monahan, and again, Ryan O'Reilly. Kyle, we'll start back with you. I'm going Ryan O'Reilly with this one, guys. Uh, a lot of people talk about him on and off the ice, the kind of player he is and things he does. So I really pick. I like him. A.B.? Uh, same. I'm going Ryan O'Reilly again. Like I said, I think he's going to pick up some hardware this year, uh, along with the uh, two pieces that he's already got, which are not bad. Right, so. um, but, yeah, uh, just like Kyle said, uh, everyone loves him around the league. So, yeah, I'm going around O'Reilly. Yeah, not a hateable guy, especially with that pitcher. Kyle Sam with that flow looking good. I had O'Reilly for the Selkie, so give me Barkov. Um, he was averaging 22 minutes of ice time a night and took four penalties all year. He took eight, pe- eight penalty minutes, averaging 22 a night in the NHL. So I believe that's pretty impressive. Next up, the Masterton Trophy for dedication to hockey. Up for this is Nick Foligno. Robin Leonard and Jumbo Joe Thornton. I'll start this one. Give me Jumbo. The past two seasons coming back from those significant ACL and MCL knee injuries. 51-point year this year. Um, obviously a factor in the lineup. A.B., let's go to you. I know you're a big fan of him. Yeah, but i got to be honest. I'm going uh, Robin Leonard. When that story came out with him, uh, with all the uh, issues that he was dealing with, and then he comes back and has the type of season that he has, and he's even up for the Vesna. Uh, I think it's just a great comeback story. Uh, it's great to see him uh, pick his life up a little bit and, uh, you know, just just kill it in the NHL this year with, uh, with a team that's not even expected to do that well. So I'm going with Robin Leonard. KP? Yeah, same here. Robin Leonard with the mental health and substance abuse issues. Uh, it's really big in, in the U.S. and the, the world right now. So it's really awesome that he could overcome those things and perform at the highest level. I mean, that's awesome. It, but all three candidates are are awesome for this one. I even saw we didn't get to mention uh, the Nick third Foligno. one, Nick Felino, but yeah, I know he Columbus. had some some issues with his kids or something like that earlier this year. So 
all three of these guys going through some stuff and still performing at the highest level. Yeah, it's kind of one whoever gets picked is regardless. It's There's no bad choice. So a couple of these we'll spend a little more time on, especially the bigger ones. So the Besna Trophy, like A.B. just mentioned, the best goaltender. Yeah, again, we have Robin Leonard. We have Andre Vasilevsky from the Bolt and Ben Bishop. A.B., let's start with you. Dude, this was a tough one, man. I couldn't decide between these three. Um, you know, Vasilevsky, he's... He was great goaltending all season long. I mean, he does have arguably the best team of all time right in front of him. Uh, Robin Leonard, uh, he's coached by um, our guy Mitch Korn over there. Uh, and he's, he split time a lot this year, which I think helps him out a lot. So he, he had a great season. And you got Ben Bishop. And uh, he helped. He, he pretty much carried Dallas to a playoff spot. He carried Dallas through a couple of rounds in the playoffs. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Ben Bishop here. Okay. Ben Bishop, Kyle, what about you? Going Andre Vasilevsky. Even though AB mentioned he's got a great team in front of him, the guy still showed up. That that team pretty much ran the NHL this year all the way around, and he played good until the playoffs. So, so Vasilevsky is your pick. I don't look at Vasilevsky's wins to be overly impressive, to be honest. If you want to hate me for it, then fuck it. Go for it. But like A.B. said, he has one of the greatest teams of all time around him. A lot of the stats they were showing um, were look how many wins he had, look how he was able to bounce back from uh, a loss, all three losses Tampa Bay had. So I kind of no, – I'm not taking away anything, saying he's a bad goaltender. He's obviously an incredible goaltender, but when you have that a team that good around you, um, you can win some games 6-4 to four if you need to. So right. for me, I'll take the other option, unlike A.B., unlike K.P. Give me Robin Leonard, who won the Isles some games with a team that – was struggling at times. Um, six shutouts, second in the league in save percentage, third in goals against average, and an eight-game win streak in December. So to really catapult the Isles coming out of Christmas break there. So on to the next one. The Norris Trophy best defenseman comes down to Brent Burns, Mark Giordano, Victor Hedman, and not John Carlson again. So, A.B., we'll start with you. I got Mark Giordano here. I think it's going to be one of those awards that uh, he's, he's paid his dues in this league. Uh, he's been around forever, and he had a great season this year. Calgary, he's uh, Calgary's leader this year. Calgary was a great team all all season long until the playoffs. Just ran into a hot Nathan McKinnon. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going Mark Giordano. Yeah, give me Gio as well. 35 years old, but a career high, and then second, I believe, with NHL defenseman and 74 points, and led the NHL with a plus 39 rating. Kyle, not bad. I'm going to go Brett Burns. Uh, I think he had a great season this year. Sometimes it's hard for other players. Uh, when a guy like Eric Carlson comes in, you might not step up your game, but he really Speaking did. Of. And uh, he was, he led the NHL in assists this year. I mean, I've watched him plenty of times. He's always got a stick in the right position, body and all that. I think he's an awesome player, so I think he was the best this year. Speaking of your guy, Carlson, he just got bucking paid. Did you yeah. see that deal oh, that yeah. came out today? Yeah, what is it, eight years for about 11.5 11 11 a year? Yeah. Give me Fuck. a break. I really didn't think he'd stay in Tampa, or I mean um, San Jose, and he's... <laughs> For eight eight years. That, that eight whole, years. That team loves each other. Like That's a good bromance yeah, out but there. I just uh, I feel like a lot of it was he might be leaving. He might. Who knows? But He's in Cali's. That's chilling. true. He, San Jose, boy, you got them sick-ass black alternate uniforms, boy. Them Cabo Cobra yeah, throwbacks. Chilling. So, King Clancy Memorial Trophy for humanitarian contributions. Oliver ekman Larson, Hank Lungfuss, and Jason Zucker. I personally enjoy out in Minnesota Jason, the Jason Zucker story, I believe. I saw it on NHL Network maybe a year or so ago with him and his wife creating the Zucker Family Suite and Broadcast Studio at the Minnesota Children's Hospital for kids to kind of simulate that experience of being at the game and kind of calling a game and that type of thing. I think it's real cool. So, Kyle? 
Uh, I got a OEL on this one. He's uh he's always been doing stuff in the community yeah. for years, and I, I think he'd, he's due for a trophy here. There we go. AB, finish her off. Uh, yeah, I want uh, Henrik Lundqvist. I mean, you hear all the stories about how, how much he does for the city of New York. He, he loves the city of New York. And that's uh, it's the reason why he wants to stay there. I mean, he's he's always said he's, he doesn't want to leave this city, and he can, he just you know contributes a lot uh, over there to that city. So sticking on the New York train, the Mark Messier for Leadership Award comes down to Mark Giordano again, the Wayne Train, Wayne Simmons, and our former guy, Carolina Hurricanes captain Justin Williams. AB thoughts? Uh, I got Justin Williams here. You know, he had a he had a young team, and uh, he was he was the leader. He was there. He was their top guy, and you know, he showed what they could do in the playoffs, and he he. They did it with uh, some fun. They did. They kind of uh, changed up the NHL a bit this year. I mean, people were rattled about their uh, their celebrations and stuff. But you know what, Justin said, let's just go out there, let's have some fun, and uh, let's try to make make it fun for the fans out here too. So yeah, I got Justin Williams. Yeah, Mister Game Seven for me as well. I think a strong leader is a guy that can piss off the entire league, and you guys are following that with the storm surge. Got him to the conference finals. So there's my pick as well, KP. I don't think there's anything I need to add. Justin Williams Sweet. again. I think that guy's going to win it easily with everything you guys just added. There it is. And uh, I don't know if this award is much on the ice, the Mark Messier leadership one, but I do know Wayne Simmons got traded midseason, so I don't know how if that will play much into it and whatnot. But I guess we'll see. So Jackie Adams, Coach of the Year, between Craig Berube, John Cooper, and Barry Trotz. Um, I'll start. You really can't go against Berube, in my opinion. I mean, I know we mentioned that playoffs don't take into account or don't play a factor into this voting but I will I will die on that hill as AB likes to say that the Blues were dead last in January and then went and won the cup so if you disagree with me I think you're an absolute idiot so on to AB oh well I guess I'm an absolute idiot because I disagree with you here I think I think Barry Trotz uh should win this award I mean I think all three uh candidates are obviously worthy of this but I don't know Barry Trotz he didn't have much uh, to, he didn't have much with it on this team with uh, John Tavares leaving uh, and he showed that he can take any team that uh, he wants to and uh, bring them to a playoff spot and the Islanders were in first place for a while yeah. in the uh, in this race or in this division so yeah I got Barry Trotz yeah well to be honest I brewbate 1A Trotz 1B and then John Cooper like we mentioned with Vasquez so you have too good of a team let me coach yeah. them and see if I can get <laughs> fucking 70 wins so Kyle right. last choice Barry Trotz, I mean, he took a team that nobody saw even in the top three maybe in the Metropolitan. Lost their franchise player. Yeah, lost their franchise player. I mean, you kind of said if you don't agree with me, you're an idiot. Well, I think you're an idiot because Barry Trotz totally came in <laughs> and took this team to a whole new level. It's kind of crazy. Like, you never really would have thought about that. So, I think it's he's deserving of this trophy. Yeah, has he ever? Bill. Has he? How many times has he won? Did he win with us once? I have no. Yeah, <laughs> I think he did. <laughs> Maybe it might have even been last year, but who the hell knows? I was gonna say he may have won with us like twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was fantastic. So Maybe Fuck, I miss that him. guy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna send him a DM. See what's good. Um, Calder Trophy Best Rookie. We got Rasmus Dallin, Elias Pettersson, and Jumpin' Jordan Bennington. AB. This was a tough one for me, um, because. You know, Bennington, he comes out of nowhere and does what he does, but he only played half the season. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really hard to, like, give him this award. And you got Pedersen, who's just making highlight real plays all season long. I mean, 
I think he was injured for a little bit too. Um, and Ross was down. There was just so much hype around him. He's a great defenseman. Um, I just you, you can't ignore what Bennington did. And since he's since he got nominated, I've, I got, I'm going to go with Bennington. I mean, he he pretty much carried that team all the way to the playoffs and to the Stanley Cup. I mean, he didn't carry him to the playoffs, but. He, he racked up some stud numbers. Yeah, I want to say in that second playing. half of the season, he might have only had five losses um, yeah. and, and five shutouts as well. And every time he did have a loss, he was lights out, uh, winning yeah. pretty much every game following. So like we mentioned um, a couple of awards ago, I know you can't take the cup into effect, but the guy comes in, c- contributes yeah. greatly to winning you a cup. So Kyle, what's up with you? Uh, I see what you guys are saying, but if you're just thinking about it half the season, I don't know. Pedersen, he was on a highlight reel every single week. NHL yeah, on Instagram, blah, blah, blah. He kind of took over with not just uh, his passing or shooting ability, his creativity. Like, if you watch that guy, some of the plays he'll make, nobody else in the NHL will even try it. Like, he was yeah. a really light show, but it's it's how you look at it, how you kind of rate it. If you think that uh, you're just based off – Half the season with Bennington kind of going like Billman's decision with the coaching award, just how you see it. If you base the whole season, half season, but I'm going to go with Pedersen here. So general manager of the year, candidates Dougie Armstrong from the Blues, Don Sweeney of the Bruins, and Don Waddle of the Carolina Hurricanes. Kyle, let's start with you. I picked uh, Don Waddle. I think that's how you say his name. We'll go with it. Yeah, I mean, it's he, he came in out of nowhere, kind of promoted – Brendan Moore as uh, the coach and just kind of rolled with there. Had to make a couple signings last offseason and uh, made a couple trade line decisions. I mean, nothing huge or big, but I think he took a Carolina organization and kind of turned it around, turned around the culture and helped that out. I'm going to stick with you on that one. And my one and only reason behind this is that he was the GM for the Atlanta Thrashers for 12 years and the Thrashers were the shit. So off the, off the AB. RIP MP. Um. So this is a tough one for me as well. I mean, Doug Doug Armstrong made some great moves before the season started, getting Ryan O'Reilly, Tyler Bozak, players like that. And then he, him and Barubi, uh, Barube, Barube, I don't know how you pronounce it, but um, the middle of the season, they they kind of looked at each other and said, "What do we want to do here? Do we want to do we want to stick with these guys, or do we want to you know change it up and start trading everyone?" And they made it. A, they made a real tough decision. Stuck with their team, stuck with their guys, and it ended up bringing them to a Stanley Cup. So I think I'm going Doug Armstrong. Um, I think Don Sweeney was is like my one B as well because he made some very good midseason yeah, moves. This he is did. another one of those awards where it's there's no wrong winner here. Yeah, each, uh, in each my opinion, has, has a good case. So let's end the episode with this one: the Hart Trophy, obviously the NHL MVP. Connor McDavid, Connor McJesus, Nikita Kucherov, and Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby. (coughs) So I'll start. Kucherov, easy in my opinion, 128 points, most ever by a Russian-born NHL player. Yes, that does include Ovechkin. Tampa's record when he gets a point this past season, 54-5-3. When he didn't, only 8-11-1. So that's kind of a big difference right there. Um, Kucherov, in my opinion, obviously I believe that's an easy choice. Um, AB, let's go to you. Yeah, um, it's it's Kucherov by by a million. I mean, there's no way Kucherov isn't gonna win this. 128 points this year. That is fucking ridiculous. We haven't seen that in probably like 12 years. It's been a while. It's, yeah. it's it's just not even it's not even close to me for me. So Kyle, we got a clean sweep here. You're going elsewhere. I'm not. I'm going with Connor McDavid. Uh, just kind of how you guys talked about 
Kucherov has a bunch of players that can pass to him. Who the fuck does Connor McDavid have besides Drysaddle? The guy put up like ten less points than Kucherov. Alex Chayson, Capital Legend, Stanley yeah, Cup there champion. You there you go. I think he had like <laughs> maybe ten goals on the year. But uh, I think if by November, if they didn't have Connor McDavid, they'd be way worse. But I just like Connor, and Kucherov is a stupid Russian. So wait, whoa, whoa. <laughs> jeez, dude, how many of those we got on our team? So guys, there you have it. Episode 10 of Chirpin' DMV in the books, our NHL awards uh, predictions in the books as well. We'll, we'll review those um, next on next week's episode. But per usual, follow us, Instagram, Twitter, at Chirpin' DMV, www.chirpin'dmv.com. Uh, we've been a little stagnant on the blog right now, trying to get our stuff planned. But we'll get back on it. We're out here recruiting people, recruiting some writers, all that good stuff. So with that being said, everybody have a great week. AB, Kyle, send us out of here. Have a good one, boys. Peace out, boys. Hey, one more thing before we head out. Ooh. Uh, we got some sweet segments coming up. Stay mm-hmm. tuned for all, all season long. I can't wait, boys. Yeah, AB has having, been having a couple drinks on the weekends and just firing off ideas. So we love it. Keep feeding them. If you see them out, get them a drink. Maybe that'll be the next hit segment. Let's, Let's get chirping. All right. See you, boys. Peace, boys. Keeping myself so busy